Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Man, welcome to the Rhodes. So great to have you with us. Welcome to all those online. Can we do a quick thing here? Can we welcome all of our first-time guests and our online, online audience? Come on, make them feel welcome. Yes. You don't know how many people you're reaching uh, through online, so I just want to thank all of you that are partnering with us and helping us to take the gospel wherever God would open the door. Our vision is to help connect people with Jesus from all roads of life. So whatever road of life you're on, wherever you're coming from, we want to connect you with Jesus because Jesus is the one that can make the difference in your life. That's our heart's desire. So uh, if you'd like to join us this morning, if you'd like to get out your in your worship guides, there should be a, uh, some sermon notes, or you can get on your YouVersion Bible app. You can get the sermon notes there. And if you've got your Bibles, let's open them up this morning to Matthew chapter 3. Woo! Just excited about the Bible, excited about what God's doing in our life. That's why we do a little holler there, a little holla out to Jesus. Today we're starting a new message, a new series called Firestarter. It's our evangelism series, and I smell smoke in the room. You're like, I don't smell smoke. I'm, I'm speaking spiritually, so some of you don't get nervous. But I just really feel like God's doing something in our midst. I'm excited about what God has for us. The first service was uh, phenomenal, and I'm just expecting the same in this service and all of you watching online, because our, our heart, again, is just to see God move in our midst for God to use us. And uh, so we're, we're going to talk about this message a little bit. Over the next three weeks, leading up to Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday, we're going to be talking about this series. So I encourage you, this is our evangelism series, I want you to do me a favor. Sometime today, I want you to think of and write down three names, either three names of friends, three names of coworkers, three names of family members, maybe three families of people that you want to see come to Jesus once you write their names down and start praying for them and inviting them to church. Easter is one of those weekends you can get people to church, you can't get them to come any other time. But I want you to start praying for them. I want you to believe God for them. That these people, these are people you're not trying to, uh, you're just trying to introduce them or connect them with Jesus and see what Jesus can do in their life. So be praying about that. Be praying about names, people that God would put on your heart. Say, hey, you know what? I've never invited them to church. I'm going to go out. Well, they wouldn't come. Go out and invite them anyway. You're like, no, they would never come. Just pray and invite. You'd be amazed what God can do because you don't know what God's doing in their heart right now that you aren't aware of. He's already working on them. They may be looking at you and know you as a friend. Go, man, I wish they'd invite me to church sometime. They're just waiting on you. Well, this is your chance to reach out and let God do what you can't do. So just be thinking about that over the next few weeks as we lead up into Easter. Matthew chapter 3, I'm going to start reading in verse 11. This is John the Baptist speaking. I don't know if you've heard of John the Baptist. He was the guy who came. He was the cousin of Jesus, came before Jesus, born a little bit before him to his aunt Elizabeth, Jesus' aunt Elizabeth. Here's what he wrote. He said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his sweet 
his wheat into the barn, and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now on March 10th, Louis de gave a word to our church about releasing a spirit of evangelism over our church. Now when I say evangelism, most people will disqualify themselves right away. Say, that's not me. <laughs> because they picture a guy in a suit doing revivals at a church for four nights a week. And you're coming into town and you've got an evangelist in town preaching revival and it's going to be church every night for a week and, and all of that. And that's wonderful. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's not what an evangelist entails in totality. Because it's easy for you and I to disqualify ourselves from that and say, hey, I'm, I'm not an evangelist, I'm not a preacher, right? But here's what the word evangelize means. Just to break it down for you, it just means to announce good news. That sound deep and spiritual? <laughs> to announce good news, a messenger of good or well-being. I believe God has called each one of us to announce good news to the people around us. All of us can announce good news. All of us can be a messenger of good news to people in our lives. How many of those are listening to or watching the news around us? How many of those we need some good news in our world? There's people that going through things in their life, they could use some good news. Well, you and I, we have some good news, and that good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about you have to know a sermon and be able to preach a sermon. All you got to be able to do is tell them what Jesus has done for your life. That Jesus took your sins away, dying on the cross. He took my mourning and gave me joy. He took my anxiety and gave me peace. That's the good news of what Jesus can do in our life. That's what people need. They need to know about Jesus. They don't need to know another sermon from Chad. They need to know the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whew, Jesus changes lives. When you let Jesus into your life, he changes you from the inside out. That's the power of the gospel, and that's what you can tell people. Hey, I, I, don't know about, I don't know everything from Genesis to Revelation, but can I take 30 seconds to tell you what Jesus has done for me? Power in your gospel. Paul called it my gospel in the Bible because he was talking about my good news, my good news of what Jesus has done for me. So this is what we're talking about, being proclaimers, declarers of good news, telling people the good things that God's done for us. I believe this, we're all called to be fire starters. Not arsonists, mind you, but people, but people who spread the good news about Jesus like a fire. Just spread the good news like a fire. Now when I think about this being a fire starter, I, I got to make sure and let this known. I love to burn things. I don't, I don't know if it's a guy thing, but I just love fire. I just love burning anything. You know, most people like the presents and everything about Christmas. I love going outside afterwards, piling all the beauty of having five kids. is more boxes and more wrapping that I can pile up and light the biggest fire and just stand there and watch it burn. Yeah, that's a fire. Man, that's good right there. Out there in my pajamas and flip-flops just sitting there watching a fire burn. Just take my back to my caveman heritage. I don't know what it is. So my wife has no desire to burn things. She's never at Christmas going, man, I wish I could go outside and burn things. I'm packing, pulling things up. Kids are like, I'm still playing with that box. No, you're not. i got to burn it. Like, Dad, can I keep that box? No. That thing will burn. If it can burn, I'm taking it outside. I'm even testing things that might not really be able to burn. I'm going to find out if they can or not. So I love fire. It may have come from when I was a kid. Yeah. That's another story, but I'm not going to go there. It may have come from when I was a kid. We had, in one of our homes, I lived in several different places, uh, different houses growing up, but in one of our houses was an underground house. 
And our underground house, you know, it was just concrete poured walls, and the roof was above ground, but everything else was below ground. And we had one heat source for the whole house, and it was a wood-burning stove. It was right in the middle of the layout of the house, had old timers on it. That was the brand of the wood-burning stove we had. Had these little baffles on the front of it. And I remember watching my dad, that he would, whenever he would start that fire, that he would take it and he, you know, he would, he would split up the, what we call kindling, but maybe it's kindling if you say it right, but I, I just call it kindling. And so he would, he would take this wood and he'd put, take his little hatchet. I can still picture that hatchet, black handle and how it worked. And he would just tap on that kindling until the the hatchet wedged in it, and then we had this brick all around the fireplace that we would, you know, pile wood on and, and the, the stove set on top of it. And so he would take it, and he would tap that kindling with the hatchet against that brick until it would split. And he would get it into these little small pieces. And so I remember from then, even way back and then, the importance, there were two key important things about having a good fire. Number one is how to start a fire. And number two, how to keep a fire going. It's important to learn how to start a fire. So I watched my dad do this. And, you know, you, you got to know how to start a fire. you got to start a fire with small pieces. Some of you maybe never started a fire. Your idea of starting a fire is push up twice on the thermostat and you're starting a fire. But when you, when you have wood-burning stove as your only heat source, you got to learn how to start fires. And you can't, you got to start small. You can't throw a block of wood in there, pour some gas on it, throw a match in there and close it up and hope it takes off. I don't recommend that. <laughs> so I'd watch my dad start with these little pieces. He'd get a little piece of paper and then he would get some little pieces of kindling and he would start stacking it like a teepee. And he'd start building it. And you had to start with little small pieces, and then you get a little bigger. You had to start with layers. And he'd have all these laid out, his little bitty pieces, then a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger. Because you couldn't just take a big log and throw it on there too early or you'll lose your fire. Some of you nodding, you know what I'm talking about. Well, just educate the people around you. Don't know about starting a fire. So he you would start with these little ones. So you got to start small. And we got to understand this in our life. If we're going to start a fire in our heart of God, if God's going to build a fire in our heart, we got to start with small pieces. Yes. Too many times we want to arrive to a burning inferno for God overnight. you, you got to start small. you got to do the little things. you got to be faithful in the little things. The Bible says don't despise small beginnings. When you're creating a fire for God, you got to start with small, good habits, and you got to stay with it. Yes. Come on. So starting a fire is key. I remember the first time I got to start a fire, and he, he said, all right, Chad, you can start. I'm like, oh, yeah. So I got, I'm even trying to practice my little hatchet trick with the, with the kindling, just like he did, and I'm building my little things, and I'm, I'm putting in there, and I'm lighting the fire, and it starts going. I'm like, sweet. So I start putting too big of pieces on there, and I lose my fire. i got to clean it out, start all over. So learning how to start a fire was important. That's the first key. Second key was to keep the fire going. In our house, <laughs> when you've got a wood-burning stove and it's your only source of heat in the wintertime, the number one rule is don't let the fire go out. Yeah. Right? So when my parents would leave and they would uh, leave and entrust us, <laughs> which was, you know, anyway, so they, they would say they were going to leave. Before they would leave, the last thing would say, they would say to us is don't let the fire go out. You know, it's important to keep a fire going because someone would even have to get up in the night and put more wood on it at nighttime. I'm glad I didn't have that job. But, you know, but while they were gone, we were supposed to open it, check on it, and maybe put more wood on it. Because how many knows that wood will burn up? 
you got to keep it going. You got to keep adding to it. But we would get playing. You know, we begin playing baseball in the house, football in the house, whatever. Once they're gone, game's on. You know, it's like, hey, we'll, we'll tear up anything. And so we'd start to play, and time would get away from us, and we would forget about the fire. So they'd come home, and you could feel the difference in the temperature as soon as they walked in. And you know what's the first thing out of their mouth is, who let the fire go out? Who? Who, 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 yeah, yeah. We had that song before they did. It was in our house, Who Let the Fire Go Out? But you know, it was, a, it was a problem that you can't let fires go out. And I believe the same thing in our life as believers. We got to keep the fire going. It's one thing to start a fire for God in our life, it's a whole other ballgame to keep it going over the long haul. We can have a great service or a great weekend or maybe even a great six months, but I'm talking about keeping the fire going. you got to keep putting more wood on the fire for God to burn in your heart. you got to keep going. And so it's one of the things that we learned about starting fires, and I believe we're all fire starters. Maybe you don't share my passion for burning things, but I believe you're still a fire starter. But the question is, what kind of fire are you starting? Because fire can be both beneficial and destructive. So look at what the benefits of fire. There's two basic beneficial uses. It boils down to this, really. Fire provides light and provides heat. That's really the, everything boils down to that with fire. It's either light, which gives us direction where we can see in the dark, or it gives us heat. Heat gives us warmth in the wintertime, which is great. But another value of heat is that if you heat up something like metals, like gold, if you put a lot of heat to it, it also works as a purifier, that it'll start to separate metals and it'll start to separate impurities out of something. So here's what we see in this, that heat or that uh, fire will do these two things, light or heat. Now heat is also destructive. can also cause wildfires, like out in California. I've got a picture of some wildfires that uh, have happened. Maybe you've seen some of these. This is fire that they call wildfire. can burn out of control and begin to be destructive. The wildfire, the definition for a wildfire is a sweeping and destructive fire, especially in a wilderness or rural area. I like that definition because as I was praying over this and God talking about being a fire starter and that a rural area is prime ground for a wildfire, I say, God, we're in a rural area. I'm praying for a wildfire in our region of the power of God. I'm praying for the fire of the Holy Spirit. Just like we read in Matthew chapter 3, I'm praying for that fire to burn in our midst. In the rural area. Because Jesus is the king of the rural area. We love us some Jesus in the rural area. So we, we want to do this. And wildfires are very prominent. The five million acres of land in the U.S. burn each year due to wildfires. Five million acres. Eighty-five percent of these wildfires are started by humans. Campfires, burning debris, Christmas presents, <laughs> wrapping paper, boxes, Cigarettes, children playing with matches or fireworks. The Mendocino Complex fire was the largest in California state history. Burned over 450,000 acres of land. 450,000 acres of land. And the, the authorities believe that this fire, there was two separate fires that contributed to that. But one of them, they believe, was started by a man that came with a spark from using a hammer. 450,000 acres from a spark on a hammer. How many knows it only takes a spark to get a fire going? And soon all those around can warm up in its glowing. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. I'm going Baptist hymnal on you. Pass it on. That's how it is with God's love. 
Once you experience it, you spread his love to him. Come on, pass it on. Anyway, so wildfire can be started by just a small beginning. But I found three components to a wildfire, and that's what I'm going to preach on today. Three components to a wildfire. It's called a fire triangle. I thought this was cool, a fire triangle. You need three things for a wildfire. You need a heat source. It could be a sun, lightning, or a match, any type of igniter. You need a heat source. That's the first thing you need. Number two, you need fuel. This could be grasses, trees, leaves, Christmas paper, (laughs) boxes. I, I recommend cardboard and Christmas paper. It really takes off. You need oxygen, air movement, or wind, which supplies oxygen, helps transport and spread the flames. I'm going to give you an example. I brought an illustration because they wouldn't let me bring a bonfire. I wanted to set up rocks and some big logs and just get a big fire going, but it doesn't work for the fire code inside. But I've got this. So a fire triangle needs three things. Number one, it needs a fire source, an igniter. That's what I have. You've got to have a source. You've got to have a heat source. If you're going to have a fire, and again, don't just think about wildfire. Think about fire in general. You have to have a heat source, right? Then you have to have fuel. You have to have something that will burn. That's what I have here. Then you have to have oxygen. We have oxygen around us, so we're in good shape. So notice when I have the heat source and I put it to fuel in the presence of oxygen, all of a sudden I have a flame. And this is what we're talking about today. We want to understand the principles of what it takes to have a fire. And what we talked about here in Matthew chapter 3, I want you to see that all three of those things in the fire triangle are in Matthew chapter 3 verse 11. Look what it says. Follow along with me. In Matthew chapter 3, 11 says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. Again, this is John the Baptist. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I. So baptize you in water unto repentance. The word baptize means to immerse to dip in completely or under, to overwhelm or flood. Here's what John the Baptist said. I came and I baptized you. I immersed you into water unto repentance. What is repentance? Repentance is not saying I'm sorry. Repentance is changing the way you think, the way you believe, which changes your behavior, which changes your life. Repentance is when you have, the word literally means to change your mind, change your thinking. And when I change my thoughts, I change what I believe, then I begin to change my behavior and I begin to change my life. And John the Baptist said, I baptize you in the water unto repentance, but there's someone coming after me. He's mightier than I, Jesus, and he's going to do this. Look what he says he's going to do. He's going to baptize you or immerse you or dip you completely under or overwhelm you or flood you in what? In the Holy Spirit and fire. Holy Spirit and fire. You're like, Chad, I'm not sure that I want that. Well, if Jesus is going to do it, I want it. How many knows I trust Jesus? <laughs> you know, we can trust Jesus. So if Jesus says he wants to baptize me or immerse me in the Holy Spirit and fire, I got to know that Jesus only wants what's good for me, wants what's good for me. So if Jesus says to you, hey, I want to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire, you need to go, yes, bring it. Bring it. I want that. Why? Because you trust Jesus. Not because you trust people, but because you trust Jesus. And so he wanted to baptize him in the Holy Spirit and fire. Here's all three things required for the fire triangle are in this verse. Look what he says. Not look what he said, but look what he says. Says he will baptize who? He will baptize you. You. There's the fuel. You are the fuel. P 
people are the fuel. That the fire of God is looking to burn in someone. It's wanting to burn in you and it's wanting to burn in me. You and I are the fuel. We are not the fire source. We are not the heat source. We are the fuel. So when it says, I want to baptize you, we are the burning ones. We are the ones on fire. So we are the ones that whenever God comes and he begins to light us, so, so God is the heat source. He's, he's the igniter. Once he lights us, then it's our job to carry the fire of God in our life. Yes. We're the ones that burn. We're the, we're the fuel. We're the ones that keep it going. So we see that in Scripture. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So there's number one of the, of the fire triangle. You, you're the one on fire. Number two, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the oxygen. The Holy Spirit is the oxygen. And so that word pneuma, if the Holy Spirit means current of air, breath, wind, or spirit. So now he said, I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. What does that mean in the fire triangle? In order to have a fire, you've got to have oxygen. He says, I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And that word Holy Spirit means breath or wind. So now God's telling me this. In order for me to have a fire, he's going to immerse me in the Holy Spirit. Because what happens when you're burning something? Sometimes when my dad was first starting that fire in the very beginning, you know, as it was starting to take off, Sometimes he would reach his head into the stove and he would go ever so gently because it was the kindling stage. And everybody, you know, they were starting to go out. He'd go, and that air, that wind began to raise that flame. That wind began to raise it. And another thing he would do, say maybe he came in after we'd been playing and the fire had gone out. He knew something I didn't know about firewood. I would look in there and I'd say, sorry, Dad, the fire's out. He'd say, hang on. He'd open up that thing, and again, he'd reach his head in there and start going. <sighs> sorry if I'm spitting on you. It's annoying. <sighs> Just receive. <sighs> he'd start blowing. And what looked like a black piece of wood to me, a novice, but someone who knew what he was doing, he'd start blowing. And all of a sudden, that black piece of wood would start looking yellow. It started start looking a little bit orange. Sorry, you go orange first. Start getting orange color. And I would see it start to glow a little bit, then it would go back black. But he'd blow on it again, and it would glow. And eventually, he kept blowing. My grandpa had one of those accordion-type things, had the little nozzle on it. Bad boy, he'd just be pumping that thing. The fires start going everywhere. We got a little advanced later on. We just started putting a hair dryer in there. We're like, like, why waste my breath turning the hair dryer loose? What's happening? When he says he wants to immerse you in the Holy Spirit, here's what God's telling you. God wants to bring into your life the power of the Holy Spirit that even if you're down to embers in your heart, even if your fire is down to embers, the Holy Spirit can blow in your heart and bring that fire back to life again. No matter what you've gone through, what's happened, if you're discouraged, if you're like, I used to, remember we used to use this phrase a lot, man, they're on fire for God. They're on fire for God. You know, get saved, and man, they're on fire. But what happens? Sometimes over time, we can lose that fire. But God's saying, nah, when I immerse you with the Holy Spirit, even if you st do start to dull down a little bit, I'm going to come, and I'm going to breathe on your embers. How many need the Holy Spirit to blow on your embers to stir up the fire of God today? Come on, give him praise today. He's worthy. 
So that's what the Holy Spirit is. It's the oxygen we need. It's the oxygen to help me. When, I, when my fire doesn't feel like it's burning hot enough, I just ask the Holy Spirit to blow on my heart, and he can bring that fire back to life. He's powerful enough. The third thing that was in here, we got the fuel, we got the oxygen. What do we need now? We need the fire. We need the heat source. The heat source. The heat source, again, the igniter, the fire, the word means to fire in its forms and uses. Once this fire has ignited this and we are the fuel and start carrying it around, we got to remember that this fire can now be used to light others. If I had a candle that was ready to be burned, but it would, if I'd get it close enough to this other fire, then I could light that candle using my fire. I can light someone else. And this is what happens when you get the fire of God burning in your heart. When other people get close to you, your fire can transfer over to them and they can start burning. Because I'm telling you, people are fuel. Yes. God's designed everyone. They're ready to burn. They just need to get around some fire. Get around some fire and they'll take off. Well, you don't understand. My wood's all wet. That's all right. It'll dry out. I tell you what, the fire of God's so powerful. Even when Elijah had them bu dump buckets of water on the wood. You can dump water all around. You can trench around. My wood's completely soaked. When the fire of God comes, he can consume it all. You just get around some fire. Maybe you say, my life is a little bit wet right now. Maybe I'm a little bit discouraged. If you get around the fire of God, get around somebody, it will help you burn. Be a fire transfer. Be someone that ignites other people. Be someone that once God has ignited us, because this candle... This candle. This candle won't burn unless something ignites it. <laughs> I can't see you. Techno. But see, once, once the heat source comes, now it lights it up. And now all my job to do is, is to keep it burning and allow other people to come and say, hey, do you need some of my fire? Be someone who shares your fire. Share your fire with other people. Share the goodness. This is the gospel. Here's what God's done with me. Come on, get around me. Come on, I'm on fire for God. Be an igniter. You're a fire starter. See, I, I was thinking in my life that I, I needed something else to happen. And God said, Chad, I've called you to be an igniter, a fire starter. You're, you need to see yourself as this, going around helping starting other people's fires instead of waiting for someone to start yours. I've already put the fire on the inside of you. Baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire. So the third source, third thing we need out of the fire triangle is a heat source. I gave you two uses for the heat source. Number one, it's light. Number two, it's heat. Here's what light does. What does light do? What does fire as light do? It gives us direction. Micah 7 verse 8 says this, Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. Come on, somebody. Whenever I'm in darkness, here's why he wants to immerse me in the fire of God. Because whenever I get in darkness, he says that fire in you will be a light in the midst of darkness. And it will help you find your way out. When I sit in darkness, don't rejoice over me, devil. <laughs> When I'm down and out, when the enemy comes in, when the enemy tries to knock me out, when the enemy tries to take you out, you need to say, hey, don't rejoice over me. I got the fire of the Holy Spirit. And you may surround me with darkness, but as long as I have the light, I can see my way out. This is why he gives it to us. 
He not only wants to keep it to ourselves, but he wants to immerse us in the Holy Spirit so that we can have light for ourselves and others. Matthew 5, 14 says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Won't let Satan it out. I'm going to let it shine. Look what he goes on to say. It gives light to all those who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. See, whenever you have the light, this is why God wants to fill us with the Holy Spirit and fire. Because he wants to give us light to help others in darkness and not just ourselves. That when we shine our light, it helps others find their way out. When you're in a dark place, the person with the light is very valuable. When we were over in India... And we walk around at night, sometimes we, we took flashlights so we could see. So if you didn't have a flashlight, how many knows if I'm going to help you in a dark place and you don't have a light, it's not going to help you if I shine the light in your face. <laughs> see, the light is not to point out where people are. The light is not to point out what's wrong with people. The reason God puts the fire in you to be a light for direction is not to point out where they are, shine the light in their face like, "Good, hey, man, help me, help me. I can't see. Well, I got the light shining right in your face. Ain't I helping you? No, I need you to put it where I'm going. Don't light up where I am. Light up where I need to go. Let me follow you. This is why we have the lights. You can say, hey. Follow me. I know where we're going. And I want to stick close to someone who has a light in a dark place. This is why God fills you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Because he wants you to be a light to the world. Not because you're perfect. Because God has done something in your life. And you say, hey, we're all surrounded by darkness at times. But I got the light. Come on, follow me. I know I've been disappointed. I've been discouraged. I've been overwhelmed. I got problems. I got issues. But the light's in me. And when darkness comes, the Lord will be a light to me and he will show me out. Woo. So if the Lord's going to show me out, I want to take some people with me. I don't want to leave and say, hey, sorry about your luck. Wish you had a light. I want to go back to him and say, come on. Come on, see where your feet need to go. Follow me. This is the path. He will lead me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. This is why he's given a light to be a direction, not just for me, but for others. Second thing, second value of fire. We said light. Here's the second one, heat. What does heat do? It adds value for purification. When you're, if you're wanting to purify gold, I watched a little video on this. You know, you can YouTube anything. And they, they took all this gold from either electronics, I mean jewelry, whatever, and they begin to put it in these melting pots and they begin to apply extreme temperatures to it. And what would happen was the impurities of the gold would start to separate. The density of the gold would be different than the density of these other metals. And the other metals would come to the surface. This is what God's wanting to do in the fire in our life. He wants to bring the fire of God because he's wanting to add value. Because there's things in our life that's decreasing our value. There's junk in our life. There's bad habits, bad attitudes, bad thoughts, all of this in our heart. And God says, if you'll allow me to apply the fire of God, I will begin to bring to the surface things that you didn't know were there. You could think you'd have a nice piece of gold. Oh, it's awesome. It's beautiful. Tell other people it's pure gold. It's pure gold. Until you apply the heat to it. 
Then we'll find out. Look what it says in Peter. He says that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold though, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise and honor and glory through re- revelation of Jesus Christ. See, fire or heat is used to burn or remove the impurities out of our life. It makes visible things that we didn't know were there. How many of you have ever had something you thought you had victory over an area or thought you had an area of your life handled until the fire came? I don't really struggle with that anymore, really. I really don't have any problem with that. I really don't have any problem with my attitude. I really don't have any problem with my temper anymore. Okay, let's bring the heat to it. Me and my spouse, we, haven't, we never fight anymore. We never have any problem. We never have any disagreement. Bring a little heat to it. You know, that, that when those kids find that one last nerve that you have, and they not only locate it, but they start jumping up and down on it, start poking it with things, and you thought you were good, or you, you had a lot of patience. You thought you were good. You could really wait on God. God, I could wait forever on you. God, all I need, you're faithful, Lord. You are faithful. I could wait forever on you, Jesus. You say this on Sunday. You are faithful forever, God. Yes, and amen. Yes, God, I believe I could wait forever. I'm in no rush. Patience, it's a fruit of the Spirit. I'm abounding with it, God. Thank you. By Thursday, God, where are you? Start quoting Psalms. Why have you forsaken me, God? Going all Jesus on the cross on him. God, I believe in you for three or four days. A little fire starts to reveal things. Can I help you with this, though? God never reveals impurities to point out the impurities. He reveals the impurities so they can be removed to add value into what's left. He never points out my junk to crucify me with my junk. He never points out my junk to throw it in my face and go, man, Chad, I can't believe you deal with that. Because sometimes in my life, I don't think it's there. I think I'm good. And God says, you know what, Chad, I want to take you up to another level. I want to take you to another level. I want to bring you to a higher place of value. So I'm going to need to bring the heat. But, 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 but why God? Because because you got you got some stuff hidden in there that you don't see. But when I bring the heat to it, you're going to see it. It's going to come to the surface. Well, I don't know if I like that. You'll like the end result. You'll like the value afterwards. So this is what heat does. Heat adds value. It purifies us. In this article in 2018 in the New York Times. Because we asked this question. If we've got the light and heat of the fire of the Holy Spirit... For ourselves, are we using it for other people? Are we using it to give direction to others? Are we using it to add value to others? What are we doing with the fire? Because we can either use fire as a benefit to people or we can use fire as a destruction to people. We can use our fire to point out all their problems and show them where they are or we can use our fire to show them the way out. We can use our fire to point out all of their impurities or we can use the fire to separate those and add value to them. Look what this article said. The article was entitled Behind Most Wildfires A Person and a Spark We Bring Fire With Us. Jennifer K. Balk, a professor of geography at the University of Colorado at Boulder who studied the human causes of wildfires said 
Again, speaking of wildfires, listen to this. Look what she said. We almost forget it, but wherever people go, we bring fire with us. When I read that, God spoke to my heart. He said, Chad, I want you to remember you bring fire with you. I want you to see yourself as an igniter and an initiator. Too many times you're waiting on something else outside of you to light something on the inside of you. And he said, I am your igniter. And now I've asked you to go out and you be an igniter. You be an initiator. Stop waiting for everything to be right. Here's something I have a problem with. I'm recognizing this. It's come to the surface. That I found myself waiting for someday. I don't know if any of you have ever been like this. That I kept waiting for someday when I wasn't going to deal with these thoughts anymore. That someday I wasn't going to have all these problems. Someday everybody was going to like me. Someday I would not have any problems. Someday things would be better. Someday, man, out there, there's this utopia existence that someday, man, when I get there, then I'm really going to take off for God. Someday, man, and we'll say stuff like this, man, someday the fire of God's going to fall, and man, the power of God's going to hit. Someday the Holy Spirit's going to be poured out, and maybe this generation. No, no, it's this generation. No, this generation. No, it's the next generation. Next generation. We're waiting on a day that's not coming. I don't mean to burst anyone's bubble, but this is what he's telling me. He asked me, Chad, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Well, I'm waiting for someday. He said, it's not coming. He said, today is the day of salvation. Now is the time. Burn right now. Not wait for something else to happen, and then I'll get excited for God. I'm waiting for something else. Then I'll give my life to Christ. Then, you know, someday I won't have to deal with these thoughts. We're always going to deal with opposition in our life. We're waiting on this utopia world where we don't have to deal with adversity. It's not coming. The fire of God is not to keep me from adversity. It's to help me burn in the midst of it. It's to give me direction in the midst of darkness, not to keep me out of darkness. It's when darkness is around me, I have a light. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Adds value into my life. So I close with this, asking you these questions. Which fire are you bringing with you? Are you burning? Will you allow Jesus to baptize you with the Holy Spirit in fire? You're like, no, I'm not one of those people. If you're a follower of Jesus, you need to allow him to baptize you with the Holy Spirit in fire. It is not a denominational thing. This is not a select group church thing. This is in the Bible, Matthew chapter 3. Why does he want to baptize? We say, I'm not sure if I want that. Do you need direction in your life? Do you want value added to your life? Then you want the Holy Spirit in fire. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.